love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. What the world needs now is love. More love. Stars literally aligned. He's always been the one. There's someone out there for everyone. I'm Nancy Regan, your host on the Canadian Love Map. We are on a journey to uncover and share love stories of all kinds. He's never forgotten to bring me flowers. We're hoping we're going to give a little good news to this world. Even in these dark times, the life continues to go on. It's all about compassion, devotion, adventure, and of course, love. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs love. This is the Canadian Love Map. Well, love is the most important thing. That's why we do it. Not, yeah. It's not so much the thanks. It's the bringing someone's dog home and saying, here it is. Because if you don't ever recover a lost pet, then you're forever wondering, where is he? What happened? Who has them? Which is why we never quit. Today's love story belongs to Mike and Lisa, a couple who are deeply committed to saving lost pets. If you've ever owned an animal, you know the sense of love connection that can exist. But the flip side of that is the heartbreak and worry when your pet goes missing. According to the SPCA, that happens over a million times a year in Canada. And that's where Mike and Lisa come in. For the past five years, they've given up countless days and nights using expert skills to help track and recover lost pets. They do it totally out of pocket and ask for nothing in return. But that's not to say they aren't rewarded. This is the Canadian Love Map. Lisa and Mike, welcome to the Canadian Love Map. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Now, I'm going to start by saying that Lisa just said to me before we started recording, Nancy, you got to start start with Mike because <laughs> it all started with him and, you know, it's really all about him. Okay, well, demonstrating that I'm not very coachable and I don't listen to people's instructions, I'm now <laughs> going to break <laughs> what you suggested, break yeah. from that and actually ask you to tell me about you two. Where, where and how did you meet? Uh, we met through my daughter. She used to go <laughs> to true. one of her playmates' houses and she kept talking about my friend Mike, my friend Mike, my friend Mike. And of course, at the time I was split. And uh, anyways, it ended up we had so much in common, the outdoors, the animals, and she. I finally met her friend Mike. And I used to do are. a lot of gardening. So when her daughter was next door playing, she'd see me outside and she'd walk over. It's just a tiny little thing. I used to call her Purple Jenna. And uh, yeah, she used to come over all the time and just visit and sit and talk to me. She had the cutest little voice and it was, she was like my little gardening pal. Yeah. And then it turned out she had a mother. <laughs> it turned out she had a cute mother. Well, yeah. hello. Yeah. yeah. So. And you had already, uh, you know, cleared one obstacle. You knew that she liked him. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. So that was just a shoe in then. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of funny because I think when we first started talking, Lisa and I had actually adults. <laughs> Jenna had come over one afternoon and said, do you want to come to my house for supper? 
she's a little matchmaker. <laughs> she was. It was funny. She had that in mind? Yeah. Oh, that's very yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. it's funny, yeah. Mom, I've got a guy for you. Yeah, he has a dog. <laughs> he was it the guy or the dog? The shoe? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. She really certainly loved both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what has life looked like for the two of you before this side hustle, if you want to call it that, or main hustle started? Um, well, there was certainly a lot of downtime. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we were very active outside. Yeah. We, we were all kids were always we were always getting them into outdoor things we did a lot of camping a lot of hiking and stuff like that snowmobiling um, four-wheeling it was just all always. we started geocaching yeah wow so it was lots of family involvement yeah as they grew older and wanted to hang out with us a little bit less um him being retired from the military i had just retired yeah. just retired had a lot of downtime and when you are young and you're sitting at home, it's yeah. like, oh, That's code man. for Mike's not doing enough and I have to get him a job. Get him out of the house. Yes. So we had a little lost Basset Hound, six months old, go missing in our backwoods, which he used to be an avid hunter, knew the woods, you know, back the back of his hand. hand. So I said, Mike, you got to go help Kevin the Basset Hound. He's like, what do you mean? I said, he just got attacked at daycare. He needs help. He's gone. He's in the woods. He's hurt. Anyway, that was the start. That was the first day and it never stopped. No, the community pulled together. They all met at this location. Um, nobody had experience what to do. They kind of ran around going, what do we do? Where do we start? Do I have treats? I have leashes. What? So, you know, the graph maps came out and they said, okay, this group is going here. This He totally took charge of that, but yet still... I think if we had the training or the know-how, our sweet Kevin would have been found. He was yeah. never found. Um, oh. We spent two years looking. Oh, is that right? Oh, I'm wow. still eyeballing every basset hound that walks Even by. Even now, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. be Kevin? <laughs> yeah. Are you Kevin? Kevin, are you listening? Yeah. 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 Are you out there, Kevin? Out Come there? on. And that was a heartbreak case. Wow. That, that was really, that was a powerful case in the valley. Yeah. So... Had you already had a love of animals? I have to pick up on the fact that Lisa said you used to be a hunter, which mm -hmm. to me is incongruent because I think, oh, this guy loves animals. So well, I can't not pick that up. Yeah. So the last year I hunted, um, Lisa laughed because, you know, I would come out of the woods at dark because I went in the woods two hours before dark. And I just, I like being in the woods, right? But I'll sit in a tree stand for eight hours, nine hours, no problem. But she'll come home and say, how'd you do? And I'll say, well, you know, I got a 14 point deer today. And she, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I'll, I'll open up the phone and show her the pictures of the deer that walked by. Oh yeah. <laughs> All pictures. <laughs> or I'll call her in the middle of the day while I'm hunting and say, you're not going to believe this, but I forgot my ammunition home. I'm okay. walking around with an unloaded that, gun, just taking pictures in the woods. But. That is my kind of hunter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're that hunting with the camera yeah. eventually. I really love that. Yes. Yeah. So, so where did the love of animals start? You talk about your love of nature. Um, what was the first animal you loved, Mike? Oh, well, <clears throat> I think we kind of had dogs and cats growing up, but it never, a copper was my first True love. My first true love, golden retriever. Um, you know, they melt you. What about you, Lisa? What was the first animal you remember loving? Uh, I grew up with a dog. Yeah. All my life, there was always a dog. I had a couple budgie birds, but, you know, they have unique personalities too, which, you know, we do train on trying to help recover lost birds as well. So, you know, my cockatiels, my budgies, my dog, 
Uh, I didn't have a cat until my daughter went to somebody's farm and came home with two barn cats. And I went, oh, no, here we go with the cats. And anyway, that's... I can't believe she would do that. I can't imagine. I, I actually did that no. in high school. I brought home a puppy. It was not a popular move. It no. was like, look what we've got. <laughs> well, and growing up, and that's kind of what we laugh about now. So people, we have social media that you can get on and say, I lost my dog. You know, I need to yeah. go find this dog. But back in the day, I won't tell you my age. If you went to the park and somebody whose dog is at the park, you kind of brought it home. Can we keep it? Exactly. It's like, no. No oh. tag? What do you mean? No tag. <laughs> no You're tag. fair game. No. Yeah. So, you know, and that's one thing that we push now with the lost pet recovery. Please put a leash or a collar and tags tag, on yeah. it. That's such easy. Hey, I got a phone number. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when I was trying to convince my husband to get a dog and our daughter was two, I showed him a study that um, demonstrated that children who grew up with dogs, or I think pets, but mostly dogs, had greater confidence because they had a source of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. They could be in conflict with anyone else in the house, siblings, parents, whatever, but the, the animal was always Absolutely. there as a source of love. Do you believe that? Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens at home, at the end of the day, at the end of the situation, whatever, that dog and cats, if they don't eat you alive, but that dog will be there for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's un it's remarkable when you look at a dog and actually pay attention to its mannerisms and, and its focus on you. It's shocking. And that's sort of the underpinning of what you do, that sense of connection between humans and animals and the love that exists there is what makes what you do necessary and valuable. So tell me, Mike, about how you got into this. You, you left the military. What did you do in the military first? When I joined up, I was an aircraft technician. I was building the engines on the aircraft. Um, as I got older or promoted through the system, I ended up being an aircraft maintenance management. And I was writing policy and procedures for the school in 14 Wing Greenwood when I retired. Oh. Um, but I was injured a couple of times, so kind of cut my career short a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so when they offered to put me behind a desk in Ottawa, I passed and took my retirement instead, right? Um, and then that Kevin case came up. Um, Kevin the Basset Hound. Kevin I'll never Bassett. forget that. You'll yeah. never forget it. That came up and, you know, the beautiful thing about the military, and I'll never ever um, knock them that the system is, you're not just trained to fix an airplane, mm -hmm. right? You you do, there's a myriad of things that you're trained to do right from basic training and how they develop you, right? So none of that you really forget, especially if you're an outdoorsman. So being in the woods, I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with looking for um, people that are lost mm -hmm. because I did do crash recovery as well. Wow. So I had that experience behind me. The difference with Kevin was, Nobody had experience on how a dog reacts because they have their fight uh, fight and flight mode, right? So they get all these chemicals being released in their mind when they're lost or when something happens, like kind of like our, our um, adrenaline. Mm -hmm. But they're getting norepinephrine, epinephrine, um, cortisol, uh, you know, and it just rapidly floods their brain, shutting a lot of their focal points down. So looking at mom and dad, for example, they don't have a clue who you are. Really? Right. They'll they'll shut that right out. 
And unlike a human, they're not waiting for someone to come to them. They're in fight or flight, as you say, right. so they could easily be scared away and they could run from you instead of to you. Right. Yeah. It's all about self-protection, right? So what did you learn with that first case that kind of got you started on this path? Well, the big learning curve was the fact that nobody had any experience at all. Hmm. Nobody knew what to do. And what we were doing was actually counterintuitive to what we should have been doing. Um, we were, you know, um, and mo and 99% of the people that lose their pet at first are actually doing the same thing. They're pushing the animal away. Say more about that. Okay. Well, when your dog runs away, for example, you know, let's say um, uh, a dump truck goes by and the big gate makes a big bang and you're mm -hmm. just walking your dog and, you know, boo-boo gets out of the collar and runs. Well, the first thing you're going to do is yell at it and run after it. But in actuality, that's the worst possible thing to do because you've just added a little oh. bit of stress to that flight mode or to whatever scared your pet. So the minute you do that, your adrenaline comes up, your energy goes through the roof. Yeah. The dog's That's energy so is going through the roof. You're chasing the dog. Well, that poor thing has had time in those few seconds to adjust and start thinking everything around it is a wolf. Oh. Everything that's making noise wants it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is kind of the mentality that we're putting into the dog. Meanwhile, you're chasing and running after it and yelling its name. And chances are you're not yelling, oh, boo-boo, come here, puppy. You know, you're, you're frantic. The dog feels that frantic and just keeps going and going and going. You're describing my exact example last week when my little dog took off after a deer. I was just putting was him outside great. and a deer went by and he went, Gone. and I was frantic. And great. so, but he did come back on his own. Yeah. I thought he'll never stop chasing that deer, but he'll never catch it. I'll never see him again. Yeah. No. yeah. So we tell people, I mean, right away, if it's possible, you know, bring yourself back level yourself, ground yourself, whatever, and bring that sing-songy voice out right away, you know. I'll make it fun. Yeah. Rosie, oh, come here, you silly girl. You're not going to catch that deer. Come here, sweet girl. You know, you put that out there. Huh. As soon as she gets a little bit of that, that may be just enough to bring her back off of what she's chasing or, or whatever's happened, you know. So that's an interesting part of it. You know, I already talked about the connection between humans and their pets, but that is maybe the greatest tool that you have, that sense of uh, love that the animal has for a human. You bet. Kevin taught you a lot. Where did it go from there? And how did you figure out how to really get into the head of a lost animal? So in Nova Scotia, we have this amazing site. It's uh, Nova Scotia Lost Dog Network run by Janet Sharon. Mm -hmm. um, she and uh, the lady she worked with actually told me there was an academy that offer training for recovering pets. So I looked into it, jumped on the next available course and fell in love with it and then took a few more outside courses around the world, online training here and there and constant research. Um, that's how I, it got going, you know, uh, through MARN is the network, uh, Missing Animal Response Network. Uh, and that's run by Kat Albrecht. Um, shout so, out to Janet and Kat, because oh, yeah. that's important work. Yeah, big shout out. Yeah. But you say you fell in love with it. What was it that right away said to you, yeah, this is this is for me? The end result. Yeah, the end yeah. result. Yeah. It's it's hard. It's it's really difficult trying to get the owner down to like a reasonable level. Um, Mike has that gift. They want to jump off a bridge and he's like, okay, 
you're going to get your dog back. But you have to do exactly as I tell you. And I know that they want to go out and just start chasing the dog, which you will never outrun a dog. So come back. Start with the advertising, not even social media, but getting posters. It's the people that are out driving and walking that are going to see the dog or the cat, see a picture and a phone number and have something to call, especially when your dog doesn't have that dog tag. Mm -hmm. Hint, hint, hint. (laughs) Um, So, you know, just trying to get them to calm down. Listen, we're going to get your dog. This is what you have to do. They just, they need guidance. So you're like a coach in a way. Basically. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, you know, make them calm and then methodical. Yeah. Yeah. And give them a plan. Yes. So So are there a lot of very easy dogs that will come home or go to a human? Absolutely. And we can do a lot of it by the phone or online, whatever they choose. Um, But then you're going to get your very difficult dogs. So those are the ones where we really have to go in the field. On site. I shouldn't yeah. say we. He goes in the field. <laughs> I work full time. <laughs> and that's when you do have to start doing luring techniques or, you know, setting up humane traps or, you know, trying to get them to stay in an area, um, which is also why we say, please don't disclose on social media where you see the animal because everybody wants to not, I don't want to say want to be the hero because that's not, that's not. Everybody wants to help. They want to help. But flooding 30 people to one area when you're trying to keep that area calm and quiet is ah. is not beneficial. We want the dog. We want maybe the owner. We want food, water, and hopefully there's a little bit of shelter just to keep them there. Occasionally, so. we'll get people that'll get upset with us um, if we ask them to stay out of the area. So we'll, we'll get social media comments and and private messages and stuff. People saying, well, if you're looking for the dog, you know, how good are you? Or... Why haven't you found the dog and you're keeping us away? How can we be out looking for the dog if you're telling us not to be there and stuff? And and it's hard to tell people, don't go chasing the dog. Let us do what we have to do because we know where the dog is. Mm-hmm. Now it's a matter of playing the game of getting the dog to wrap his mind around coming to me. That's weird to have toxicity on social media. That's almost unheard of. <laughs> That's unheard of, yeah. I know. Yes. And the negative comments. I mean, we've got our own little Facebook page and we really frown upon any negative comments. Oh, mm. the coyote's got it. Oh, the dog's dead. Oh, because then that makes the owner feel terrible. And they then they give up. sit down on the couch and they just want to give up. No, get out there. That dog is out there. There's nothing to indicate that that's the end. So, I go by the rule that if an owner gives up, the dog just lost half his chances. Oh, yeah. So we do everything we can to keep them motivated and keep them off of social media. And on our site specifically, when people get on with those comments, like she'll, she's working, but she takes every minute she can and she's on there scrolling stuff every day to remove it if it's negative. Delete, delete, delete. Oh, yeah. You just can't afford that time. You can't get that back when you, when you shut somebody down because you've fed them information that the dog got ate by coyotes. Oh. That's not even a likelihood anyway. It never is, right? So give me a, a prime example of a search that you did that gives us an idea of how it goes, but also had a great result. Faith. Yeah, I was going to say your last two were... Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, three cases back to back that were tough. But Faith was by far the hardest. I just got back from Cape Breton right before Christmas, and that was 22 days on site. Faith was missing for six months. That poor girl had such a horrible upbringing that these wonderful wonderful people adopted her um, from a breeding place. And she was so horribly abused that 
it was a complete struggle for them to bring her back to reality and and trust humans again. Um, they didn't even get a chance to do that because she would find an opportunity to run. She was gone. Right? No human bond. And the judgment that came from the public on these four people was unbelievable. So each time she took off, we were happy to jump on the case and help because we don't judge and we don't put up with people's judgment on people losing their pets. Mm -hmm. So we took the case again and it was six months. Um, I couldn't get down to Cape Breton at the time. Um, so another colleague in Halifax, Nikki Marie, she took over for a while to try to help out. And then I finally freed up some time and I went down. Well, I thought I was going down for five or six days, but 22 days later, yeah, I got her. And she was, this dog was brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. She knew how to survive on her own and she knew Cape Breton. It was phenomenal. Really? Yeah, yeah. And also brilliant at eluding capture, I suppose. Oh, yes. Completely nocturnal. And I pride myself in that I can track. And I could not find where this girl was sleeping. I could not find it. Wow. And I mean, I was, we're talking 18, 21 hour days every day. I would just go back to the cottage that I had and get enough sleep, something to eat, make my meal, make face meal. And because whatever I ate, if relatively healthy, then it was going to her as well because I had to put meat on her bones. She was extremely skinny when I got there. So you clearly so, had faith that you would find her. That, oh, I yeah. had faith that, that he would get her. Well, and thank tell God me about for her moment. because oh. when I was losing faith, she kept me, um, you know, motivated and inspired. Well, if you think 22 days away from your family and your comforts of home, I mean, this isn't the time that I'm going to pick an argument with them. <laughs> so I just let it slide. It's like, oh, let's just keep going. I know you'll do it. Yeah, it was stressful. Uh, yeah, but and Faith was away for six months. And yeah. The, uh, she, didn't have, she didn't have someone like that to give no, her she support. she had her foxes. Yeah. She was running with foxes. Was she? Yeah, every time she'd get lost, every time she was seen, she was pictured or photoed or whatever with a fox. And sure as heck, down in Sydney River, she had foxes with her. Every wow. camera that we had set out, we got pictures of her. There would be a fox 10 feet behind. Isn't that something? Yeah. Okay, so tell us about how you got her. Okay, so... Um, All the failures and then the uh, yeah, then yeah. the final straw. Yeah. Um, we tried a myriad of, of, of things, uh, box traps, uh, missy traps, drop traps, um, anything and everything I had in my arsenal or that we could think of designing for a trap we tried to utilize but every time you made a change and i mean a change even if there was a car because we were working um, behind a walmart in sydney river in a parking lot that's that was our work area that's where she decided to hang around and, and we know how up. busy walmart is just before christmas oh yeah gosh. yeah she was being maintained there because what happened was when she got to the area, we asked, you know, start giving food to her in one location, give her the space and time to come when she wants. And she was. So this kept up for a few weeks. So I packed up and headed down. Um, we tried every trap, everything that we have in our availability, um, we tried. And luring and calming techniques I'm good at, or I pride myself on, but I couldn't even look at her. I did track her one day and caught up with her, or one evening, and the minute she saw me, you know, you could see the afterburners come on, and, and she was out of here, and, and she just made a point of within 100 yards, that was it, that was all I could get with her. 
So luring wasn't going to happen, no matter what I did. Um, I see this image of the road runner. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. Road runner. Yeah, oh, very much. Yeah, it was yeah. unreal. And the tracks, the littlest hobo, you know, the show. Right. Yeah, she would come down the train tracks by the Walmart and every night, oh yeah, I'd get out of the truck and I'd talk to her, wave to her, and she'd look at me, she'd stop and, you know. Isn't that something? Yeah. So you had eyes on her. You knew she was okay. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing more priceless than a middle-aged man in the middle of the Walmart parking lot on the ground pretending to cry because dogs are like, what's wrong? I was going to bring that up. He was, (laughs) oh, I am. No worries. I'm bringing it up. Because they have a compassionate and and they're protective. Yes. But I stopped her in her tracks the night I did that. She stopped dead in her tracks. She turned around. It was the first time she turned around for me. And she actually walked back on the tracks so that she was parallel to me and started down the hill and then just stopped. And that's what I was doing. I was laying in the fetal position and I was whimpering and sucking and snow was falling on me. And maybe she was just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. A man who's in touch with his feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good one. No. But that's that's really cool that you engage that instinct. Of protection. But then it came to a point where I was completely, um, I felt like a dead end and I was losing um, hope, I guess, you know, like I was was feeling really disheartened. And um, I called my mentor, um, Kat Albrecht, and said, I need some help. So she, you know, she runs the network. She's got thousands of people at her fingertips. So she put together an online meeting of all the people that she knows in the trade that have had long-term cases and said, let's let's get together and, and bash this out and give Mike some ideas. So we did. And one little idea came across um, about a cholerum trap and I had never tried it. She had read about it, but I had never tried it because I was weary on it because it's kind of like the, it's kind of like a noose, uh, you know what I mean? It right. flings it forward and throws a wire up around your neck, oh. right? They use them for catching coyotes and stuff. But if used properly, so I discovered, they're safe. Um, it's no different than having a leash on the dog. Mm-hmm. No matter how hard the dog pulls back, if you use it properly, you can set the screw on it so that it will not tighten and choke them. So enough research and convincing and, and you know, Lisa and I talked and said, what else can I do, you know? And she can't go much longer. She couldn't. So we ordered one and I talked to the guy and he came from British Columbia. Um, I talked to the guy on the phone, you know, nine o'clock at night, but with the time change and I told him what I was doing. He said, I'll have that on the train or I'll have that on the plane tonight. And we had it. I went home, went back home for a couple of days to try to reset my mind and, and see my family and the trap came in and I loaded the truck up. I went back down and got her the first night. Really? We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centers. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. What was her reaction when you actually got her? Hi. How are you? <laughs> Laid down. She knew you. Yep. <laughs> she knew his scent. That's yeah, for sure. This guy's been scent. on my tail for yeah. 22 days. Yeah. If I leave food out yeah. um, and I want her to know that it came from me, I'll lay down on the ground. Oh. I've always done that. And I've had people say, you know, Mike, I think you, 
are troubled. But <laughs> you're rolling around on the ground. Yeah, but if if I have to do calming techniques to lure the dog in, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to be the first dog that dog ever gave up to. I want that dog to know that the food that was being left, that's the smell I smell right now. That mm -hmm. guy that's laying on the ground. So I need that. I don't know. Maybe I am crazy, but that's that's something that I no. I think, and it, I think it works. That seems clever. Um, I can't quite get over the fact that in order to catch the dog, you had to call a cat. Call a cat. Oh, yeah. call a cat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So her name is Cat. Is that cat. a stage name? K-A-T, yeah, Cat. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah, wonderful lady. So can you think of another example? Gabby uh, was a German Shepherd in Maitland, and Gabby was missing for three weeks. She was a newly rescued, yeah. got to the driveway and took off immediately. Yeah in an area she's not familiar with, what have you. Anyway, nobody could get close to her and she was running in some pretty thick brush and in the woods, whatever, and she just would not uh, let up. And I got a call and uh, off I went down to Maitland. Um, really nice owner, beautiful lady, and she gave me the history, a little bit of the history. Um, I spoke with the original owner on Prince Edward Island. She gave me the dog's past, so I knew what I was dealing with as far as animal goes. So I found the dog on my third day and tracked it for a couple of days, figured out its little triangle that I like to work with and had a confident feeling of, okay, I know where he's going and I know what the food source is and the water source. So I decided that where this grass farm was that I would kind of set up there. So when I was talking earlier about me laying down, when I put bait out, I put out our box trap. It's four and a half feet long, and I'll usually put bait in the back of it, and hopefully the dog will find it, and after a day or two, take the bait, and we're all done. Mm -hmm. No, Gabby was not interested Way in playing that smart. game. But Gabby's favorite food was uh, homemade bread. So um, one of the local ladies in the area apparently was famous for her own homemade bread, and I will say now it was phenomenal because <laughs> she baked me a loaf, and uh, I brought it in one morning or one evening, sorry, when I decided to set up in this area and talk to the guy that owned this grass farm and he gave me a spot to go park and where there was a bunch of other equipment in there. And I spent the night in my truck for two days and just watched. And she would come out and I'd get pictures and you know, I was about five, 600 yards away, 700 yards, I think. And uh, about two days later, she was coming out almost like clockwork. And I said, I'm gonna be there in the grass before she comes out tomorrow. So I spent the night in the truck again. And uh, I get up around 5 a.m., 4.35 a.m. and get out of the truck and grab my bag as goodies that I had for the dog and me. And off I went. I walked about a kilometer from the truck and I was sitting about 800 so yards from where she comes out. But it's all flat. It's just grass. So you can see. And I just picked the nice spot and I laid down. Well, she came out to the trap. And like I told you, when I put bait out, sometimes I'll lay down to leave my smell there. So I had the wind coming from me to her. And I knew she clicked in right away. So I left a little bit of bread where she normally comes out, not in the trap, but in the woods. I saw her eat it. I was eating the rest. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we just kind of played this game where I would make noise so she wouldn't forget about me. She would look at me, but wouldn't necessarily come at me. You know, she's just kind of keeping an eye on me. But then when I had her gaze, as she got a little bit closer, I had this big, long piece of pepperoni with cheese in it <laughs> and uh, I was cutting big hunks off that I can throw so I would cut a piece off and throw it as far as I could well she's seen it but as soon as I throw one I'll eat one 
So I'm not sure that she can actually see that well from that distance, mm -hmm. but it was enough to get her interest. So she started making her way closer. Well, when she got a whiff of the pepperoni smell, then she made her way to that piece that I threw as far as I could. Well, once we had that, then she would start getting low to the ground. I'm already laying on the ground and we play the game. And what I call the game is luring techniques. Um, and you just work the dog. Um, you don't stare her in the face. You don't look her in the eyes. You pretend you're there on your own. You're ignoring her, but you're playing a game by yourself and you're trying to pique her interest because the dog has to give up to you when you do this. It's not you getting the dog, mm -hmm. right? So the ultimate goal in the end is for the dog or for you to get the dog to say, I'm done. That guy looks interesting. I like what he's got. I'm going over there, right? And it takes time. Well, that particular case, Gabby, that was about eight and a half hours. And she made her way across the four different grass <laughs> plantations from the woods to where I was. And the distance was remarkable. And then in between the time that she got there, there's tractors going by. There's the occasional worker that forgot I'm there, you know, the, oh, sorry, they turn around and leave, you know, so I got to work the dog again. And yeah, eight hours later, anyway, she came over and I got a picture I sent her of Gabby laying on the ground and her head's here. And, on your shoulder? Yeah, licking my chin and, you know, just gave up. I'm yours. Isn't that great? So there is, I'm sure, a network like that. You've mentioned a couple people. Yeah. And there are so many people who have a deep love of animals and who are really upset when one goes missing, probably because they can only imagine what it would be like if it was theirs. Uh, how helpful are other people? I know you said you got to keep them out of the area, but what sort of support do you get? There's huge support, especially community support. So if, you know, our recent little Winnie, the golden retriever that ran um, because of the fireworks of New Year's Eve, um, I can't tell you the amount of people that came. What can I do? What can I do? And then we had one guy, hey, if you need help, it's just a guy on a fat bike. You know, what do you need? Yeah. And we laughed. He did all the trails, you know, and he was out there around, constantly on constant. his bike. And so, he said, yeah, I'm just the guy on a fat bike. Yeah. It, it, was super. <laughs> it just brings everybody together. And it was amazing. Yeah. So it's sort of human nature, isn't it? People want to help. They yeah. want to be of service yeah. in some way. Yep, yeah, they do. Feel useful. They do. Yeah. We have people reaching out to us all the time. You know, this is where I live. If you ever need any help up here, you know, please, you know, let us know. Oh, absolutely. You know, got to jot down their name and number. And if there's an area, if you could get a poster out for people, like anything, just go help search an area, look for footprints, send us a picture of what you find, anything. Um, is is really helpful. So yeah. when when people come together like that for the love of animals, it's yeah, wonderful. It is. Yeah. Who pays for all this? We do. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> so you have no sponsorship. Nobody no. else is paying you. Um, You're out of pocket. So if I have to travel, uh, I charge mileage. Um, we don't charge professional fees at all. You know, if I have, like, going to Cape Breton, um, I ask them to get me accommodations um, and my mileage. And that I, is I remarkable. cover the rest. Sometimes we'll get donations from people. Sometimes people don't have the money, so... So those donations always help. You yeah. always, sometimes you get people that are quite generous in a donation. It's like, oh, thank goodness, because your next case, they don't even have food on their table. Or the next but 50 cases. But they still love you know, their cat just yeah. as much that got out as the person that had some money on, a, on an animal. So those are wonderful. 
Lisa and I both have slightly watery eyes at the moment. I just want to <laughs> identify that for our listeners. Yeah, I'm not in touch uh, with really... my feelings right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm too soft of a heart, too soft sometimes. There's been cases that we've closed and I ball and I ball and I ball. Um, we had one locally and I won't names or anything, but he had to be rehomed because of his high anxiety. Well, the first day I think they got to the house, he's a big boy. He tore down the entire front door trying to get out. <laughs> and really? he oh, took so off sweet, and got huge. lost. So we tried everything, tracked him, put the trap up, and that's fine. We have a big, what's called a missy trap. It's almost the size of, you know, a full-size bedroom. And six feet he, tall panels. Oh, yeah. He went in, got trapped, but he was so big, he just tore it apart like it was... You know, going out of style. It weighs about 400 pounds when it's put together. Yeah. And he tore that thing and launched it. Into launched the woods. it into the woods. <laughs> it's shaped like an octagon, right? The big panels, you yeah. know. Yikes. And so yes. we were able to catch him again, but because, you know, of his breed and just him being scared, I thought, oh my, he's not going to come or be able to. The new mom couldn't go in to get him. So we had to call the original the owner. owner. Yeah. So when I saw the bond between the original owner and yeah, the dog, it was heartbreaking. And, you know, I know he's going to a good life, but you just see that. And she did that decision out of love. So again, that's not a judgment on us. But when I seen it, I was crushed and I cried and I cried for probably three days. Mm. Yeah, I was a mess. <laughs> I think I I know the answer to this to some extent because I feel it with you in the room, but what has this path given you in your relationship? Well, there's never a dull moment. No, I there's certainly tell. not a dull moment. <laughs> it, We're never bored. No. <laughs> the phone is off the hook constantly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, it's, we're constantly talking and bouncing ideas off our off each other. Um, what we did find is, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, but I need you right now. And I understand that. So we get them set up. But there's sometimes that we have to step back and say, okay, we need time for us. You know, whether we're just going out for supper, like I just need a time out, an hour and a half of just undivided attention. Um, I'm not needy, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, yes, we say put the animal first, but we still have to put us out there as well. So, you know, be patient with us if it takes two hours for us to call you back. There's there's a reason. I still have small, well, younger. They're getting older. Well, I mean. But children and. Kids and dogs. Yeah. And our life. Right? Yeah. So, but us, you know, it's it's certainly brought us close and being able to work together. Yeah. And the excitement, I suppose, is also an interesting part of it. So you get calls from far and wide. Let's talk about. World. Let's, Yeah. Tell me more about that. COVID was the biggest time. It was, but of course, that wasn't. Uh, we had the United Kingdom call us. Ireland. We had a case in Ireland. Yeah. We had two in the United Kingdom. Um, of course, I didn't go. I would have loved to gone. I mean, I really would have loved to gone, especially to Ireland. But um, So you're more like a consultant in those cases? We helped them from start to finish on the phone and on the internet. Um, we're always in their ear. We're talking to them. Uh, the one in Ireland... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, when she found her dog, I was in her earpiece for two hours while she recovered the dog. I was telling her what to say to the dog and how to act and what to do. And just so I'm I'm there, I'm not, but I'm there. So really, I mean, anyone can do it. I can get you to do exactly what I need you to do if you're willing to do it. And that's why they get the speech at the start, right? Which is 
doesn't matter what I ask you to do, I'm going to need you to do it and kind of refocus them. And most people are willing to do that. So that person in Ireland was more than willing. And, and I was in her ear and she literally did everything that I asked her to do. And that dog come running back and she hung up on me and called me back two days later. <laughs> well, you're like, did she get the dog or did she yeah. not get the dog? She her she lost her phone in, the, in this paddock, I guess. And, and yeah. And you funny. said, I don't specialize in finding phones, yeah, just well, dogs. Yeah, I kind of laughed. I like, oh, you got your dog back, but I'm just cut off. <laughs> you know? oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. and, and usually what kind of love do you get back from owners who you uh, are successful for? Oh, follow-ups are always the yeah. best love. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we do it. Not, yeah. It's, it's not so much the thanks. It's the bringing someone's dog home and saying, here it is. We told you we can, you know, that there's this process and, and we got it back and you did this, not us. You did this. What sort of reunions have you witnessed? Why are you looking at me? I was waiting for you to start crying again. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, they're, they're pretty amazing. Um, some of them not so amazing because, you know, with all recoveries, it's not always a happy ending. Um, yeah, we find the animal and sometimes they're not with us mm -hmm. but just enough to have the parents have some closure you know whether the cat was hit by a car or whether the dog was senior for example wandered too far in the cold couldn't quite make it back um, bringing those back to their owners is really gut-wrenching but 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 important yeah very because if you don't ever recover a lost pet then you're forever wondering where is he what happened who has them which is why we never quit on kevin mm -hmm. no so kevin the basset hound could mm -hmm. still be out there yeah good let's talk about the excitement the positive side of mm -hmm. people who what what is your best ever witnessing of a reunion between an animal and their owner I don't know if I've ever got to watch the reunion, but like when we've, we were outside having a little drink on the deck in the middle of summer and we had a lady on the phone and she, it was comical, but you could, she's like, I got him, Mike. She's right here in front of me. Oh, the little white show dog. Yeah. Well, and then she's, I said, okay, well, do the, you know, does the dog have any trigger words? And she's like, yep. Okay, you want to come sleep in the big bed? You want to watch a movie? So this is when we're in and her ear, right? I'm, we're on the phone, and I'm just I'm kind of giggling, but I'm like, these are the words the dog knows. Well, sure enough, something snapped in the little dog's head, and again, the phone goes dead. So I'm looking at my, did she get him? Like, what happened? Anyway, then they'll call you right back. Yeah, we got him. So, I, you know, it's all moments. I don't know if there's a specific, like, <gasps> but, you know, and if you have kids that really miss their pet that has got away you That's know they huge. could have a comfort cat um when they go missing and the reunion there just getting that picture texted to you or message to you is everything yeah yeah that dog is right back where it's supposed to be or that kitty is right on the foot of the bed again where you know she needed to be so that that is what makes you okay i'm gonna answer the phone again yeah <laughs> yeah so, Lisa, you were married to Mike for a while before he started on this path. What has this shown you about him as a human being? Oh, gosh. Um, he that has I don't snore when I'm sleeping in the doghouse. 
Yeah. He has a huge no. heart. Um, sometimes I do have to bring him down. I mean, it can be frustrating, very, very frustrating. And, you know, there's there's times that he's had to say, hey, there's a fire on the other side of the town. Go check that out just to get people to leave the area so that he can kind of make a recovery. But he absolutely 100% gives his entire self selflessly to help recover lost pets. And it could be a pig, it could be the ferret, it could be the bird. So, you know, we talk about a lot of dogs, but... Time out. Pig? Really? You search for pigs? Yeah, we did one in Kenville. And you'll search for any kind of animal? Anything. Really? I don't know if there's a limit. Snake? Oh, why? See, I'm just thinking in my head, I hope she doesn't say snake. Yes, we do snakes, but I despise snakes. Me too. (laughs) And yeah, we had a snake case and... They found it before I did. Thank goodness. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, yeah, I just don't like snakes. No, I'm with you. No, hamsters in the closet. My daughter lost her hamster. Well, yep. you got to tear that house upside down because it it's apart. there. Yep. That's um, incredible. And when he was in Cape Breton, I mean, this is again why it's not a judgment. I lost my cat while he was in Cape Breton. And I said, oh my goodness, Mike, I have no idea where Scrappy is. I have tore the house upside down. Anyway, he ended up being in the garage. I opened the door for a split second to bring in some wood from the little breezeway, and he snuck past me somehow. He was gone for two days. Devastated. Had Try not to stress out. me out in Cape Breton. Try not to stress him out. And it's my daughter's cat who lives in Montreal now. But I just thought, how can this happen to me? Yeah. Anyway. Scrappy is sneaky. Scrappy was sneaky. Mm. So I took my son out to the garage and we just stood there and said, this could be the only place he got to. And that little stinker came walking alongside of my legs as if there was nothing wrong. Hilarious. And I was all over the neighborhood, blocks and blocks looking for this thing. Posters. The cats. I (sighs) I can picture the cats sort of giggling about this at the time. Oh, yeah. And he's got an attitude too. So, Mike, what has um, the fact that Lisa has gotten behind you and helped you with this meant to you? And and what do you love about her? Everything. She's, She's the best part of me. I wouldn't do this if she wasn't around. I don't think I could mentally. It's a great job. It's a fantastic feeling when I bring the animal home, right? And and it really is. And the fact that I'm out there doing what I love anyway, you know, um, but without her at the end of the day and 99% of the time during the day, I just wouldn't be uh, me. And I don't think this attitude would carry the same. Well, that's a pretty beautiful answer, Lisa, don't you think? That's pretty darn good, yes. <laughs> I don't think you can get better than that. Put no. that paper away that I wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's sure. your PR spin, is it? No, yeah. no. I can no, see she, I can see in your eyes. She pushed me into it in the start, um, but it took on a life form of its own. But never, ever did she waver. She just kept pushing and pushing. And then she would find information that, she, you might find this interesting. And the next thing you know, I'm spending four days researching something from wherever about an animal's activities and and you know what I mean? Like it just kept expanding like that, but she was always there pushing it, but not driving me. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. Um, Big difference. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, she watches me and Diesel because Diesel's my search dog and uh, whatever attitude I have that day, Diesel has. Oh, those two are so so connected. It's (laughs) disgusting. Really? Not even kidding you. You've never seen anything like it. 
Are they sharing the brain? They share the brain. I look and say, oh, Diesel's in a bad mood. Where's your father? Oh, so is he. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the sometimes the stresses that come with it are really hard to deal with. And I'll be perfectly honest. um, The old me would have just walked away and said, oh, you know, I got enough on my plate. Like, I, I, I just can't deal with the stress of the people right now or whatever but she can talk me out of that and in, in minutes and just bring lisa me not diesel lisa. okay yeah, yeah diesel doesn't <laughs> talk yeah. and then i try to pass it on to diesel and dog right uh, but half the time he's talking to me and dog and i can see that it would be emotionally charged so i really get that it's very yeah how, it is how do people find you I, I i know you must hear this joke all the time you're like pet detective yeah. i see jim carrey <laughs> oh yes yeah yeah and, you know, the pet detective part, they'll say, you know, I think my dog was stolen or, and it's, well, that part of the detective work we don't deal with, you know, certainly sharing and getting the image out there and trying to spread the... Officially, we don't. Yeah. But um, just helping, assisting families mostly in re- helping recover their lost animal. So how can people find you? Facebook, um, even when you type in Lost Dog on Google, our name predominantly jumps in the top five. Is there a business name or you do you mean your personal L- name? MC Missing Animal Response is our handle. Right. Um, when we first started, I kind of went with the name just through a lack of a better name and it's long. So we kind of cut it down and now it's MC Mar, M-A-R. But Facebook, um, we had a website, but because we're community service and we do this for free, we ended up dropping the website because it was costing me too much money every year. And, you know, that extra 600 a year for a website could go towards another five cases, right? So we got rid of that and we just stick with Facebook best we can. And, and our phone number has traveled rampantly through North America. So it's on a lot of people's fridge anyway. Isn't that something? Well, I, I think there's no other way to end but to say thank you. Mm, you're welcome. I love it. Yep. Really, thank you for the way you're showing up in the world for other people in such a meaningful way. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, It's our little bit to try and give back. You know, it started out with just the community and it ended up just spreading. I mean, this morning there was a message even from Gander, Newfoundland. So it's... uh, it's I'll take that gotten a lot bigger. He wants to go to Newfoundland <laughs> really bad. It's taken uh, a, a bigger, you know, catch than we thought it would ever I'm do, still hoping but. somebody calls from Alaska. Okay. Well, they could be listening right <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks to you both so much. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. We love sharing love stories of all kinds, and that could include yours. So do you or someone you know have an uplifting tale to tell? Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram using at Canadian Love Map or email producer at podstarter.io. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map.